And here in Detroit, where so many of the tools of victory were turned out, it's in the air. All Detroit wants another kind of victory. They're out to see the Detroit Tigers, their favorite ball team. Let's go inside. You're listening to Tigers SRD with your hosts and former Little League All-Stars, Chris Brown and Roger Castillo. Welcome to Tigers SRD on the Tiger Miley Report Network and the Overtime Media Network. I'm Rogelio Castillo. I'm is Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Art Media, Sitchler, and Google Play. You can follow us on Twitter at Tigers MO Report and the Facebook page Tigers Minorly Report. And if you've not had a chance, we will we just put up a new Carfax in which we talk about Isaac Paredes and Derek Spoolbull's last start. So, of course, some news uh, just really quick before we, we do, do have a special we have two special guests tonight. But Chris and I and Jake will be joining Prospects Live as of today. So we're going to be focusing on the Tigers board. So there might be some changes with the minor league report site. But for now, uh, this is pretty cool, Chris. I mean, it's a site that we respect and admire. We have a lot of cool – we know a lot of cool people over there. So are you stoked? <laughs> yeah, you know, they do a ton of uh, a ton of awesome work on uh, – you know, I, I – they do it basically across the spectrum. They talk about, you know, fantasy and baseball cards and all that stuff. I'm mostly interested in the, the prospect side of it, which is, uh, you know, it's in the name there, but it's cool. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of really good talented people there taking video and writing reports. And so I'm excited to be a part of that. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to the experience with it. So tonight is a spe- or a special guest. We have a tiger's Twitter, excuse me, a tiger's podcast that I've been, I've been listening to when I've given the opportunity and really Apropos name too as well, Michigan and Trumbull. You can find them at Twitter at Michigan at Mish underscore Trumbull. Our two guests tonight is Alex and Luke. And you can find new episodes every Monday. And if you're looking for them, you can find them on Anchor, but you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, all those various podcast outlets, as I totally blanked out there. Uh, gentlemen, how are you guys doing? Good. Yeah. Good. Thank yeah. you for, for having us. We're, we're excited to be here we you know also love the the tigers podcast universe and uh especially you know tigers twitter we were just talking about that before we got rolling it's a it's an exciting world to be in and excited to join you guys tonight yeah you guys are uh you're the first fellow podcast to kind of reach out and want to have us on your show so we appreciate that we've only been alex geez well we've been going at it since february or march we made it through a pandemic. We made it through. Actually, we haven't made it through a pandemic. We're still going through a pandemic. But we did make it through those stupid, uh, you know, negotiations of salaries and prorated, not prorated, and all that crap. And now we're here talking to you, yeah. lovely folks, and uh, we're excited. So thanks, guys. Fix March 2020 to launch a baseball podcast. It was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really not. I mean, you know, it, it, there's definitely a good amount of work that goes into it. But I mean, Alex, I mean, would you agree? It just kind of happened over a night of beers being like, we should do a podcast. We should do a Tigers podcast. And, you know, it was one it, we took it from being just a night of beers talking to actually like kind of putting our foot forward and doing it. And it's been a lot of fun. Met a lot of good people through it. And uh, although, yeah, Tigers Twitter, as we said, sometimes can be a little bit dicey for the most part. A lot of cool cats in there. And uh, it's been it's been fun to meet the community. Yeah, absolutely. And for our first time guests, we'll get back to the community, too, in a second. But our first time guest, Chris, came up with this question on his previous podcast and we've incorporated on the art podcast. So, Chris, take it away. 
Yeah, guys, we'd just uh, love to hear about your earliest baseball memories. What got you into baseball? Oof. Alex, you want to go first? You want to hit leadoff? Yeah, yeah, I will hit leadoff on this question. You know, I've been thinking about this one uh, since you had invited us on the show, and I it it's interesting because my family is definitely a sports family. Uh, and in general, if I had to pick a sport, I would say basketball was the sport. But as I think about my life, like baseball has always been around. Um, both of my grandmothers were big tigers on the radio during the summer at their house. Uh, people, uh, my parents played in, in softball leagues with work. And then I, all of my like very early, you know, playing T-ball, getting caught in the rain are all of my, uh, you know, earliest sporting memories as a child. And I think back to my, the great joy of getting to see a game at Tiger Stadium uh, in the final season uh, as my first professional baseball game that I ever attended. So that was, that's probably the, the top memory for me in terms of my, my early baseball journey. Yeah, I don't, uh, I'm I'm always, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, man. I, I was just gonna say, I'm always, uh, you know, impressed by the number of people who come to baseball, like through their grandmother. It's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of wild. <laughs> when my, when my mom's mom, uh, passed away the entire, instead of dressing up for her funeral, funeral, the entire family wore tiger's gear. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I'm a, I'm kind of the odd man out here because it's, I believe, uh, you guys are both from Michigan, Michigan born and bred, right? And I know Alex, you obviously are. So I'm, I'm actually from Illinois. So I always get the question of how did you even become a Tigers fan in the first place when you've got two teams to potentially choose from in the state of Illinois. But uh, for me, it all starts with a hall of famer and a former catcher for us, Pudge Rodriguez, who was my favorite player growing up. Uh, I remember when I was in the third grade and he was with the Marlins, it was the Marlins and the Cubs, the infamous Bartman series. And everyone at school was Cubs, Cubs, Cubs. But for me, I wanted to be the one trendsetter. And I said, well, I want to be a Marlins fan because my favorite uh, player is Pudge Rodriguez. And I didn't really even probably know much about it at that point in time. But when you're in the second or third grade, you you take a lie, you run with it. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, after that, when he got traded to Detroit, or he signed, he signed with Detroit the next season. It was uh, everyone was like, he can become a Tigers fan. And just to be stubborn, I went, yep. And that's kind of how it started. Then fast forward to 08 when Pudge gets uh, traded to the Yankees. It was kind of the decision of, do we stay with the Tigers or go follow Pudge in New York? And by that point in time, I was actually gaining and really loving kind of the sport of baseball. I, I played it. My dad coached me. Um, and I kind of knew at that point that you don't want to be a Yankee fan. They're, they, they got money. They're, they're kind of like the Cowboys of baseball. Uh, they're loved or hated. And I was like, no, I'm going to stick with Detroit. And by that point in time, Cabrera was there, and I loved him with the Marlins. Um, Curtis Granderson, I was a big fan of him, JV, so – that's kind of how I got started as a Tigers fan, but at least a memory for me was my first game, uh, Sox Tigers game at then U.S. Cellular Field. My dad took me, and I was so stoked to finally get to see Pudge play a game. It was some afternoon series on probably like a Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Showed up to the game, decked out in Tigers gear, met a couple players. Who do I uh, excited to see Pudge play? And what do I find? He's not in the starting lineup. Catcher then Vance Wilson got the start. Vance Wilson <laughs> did, did not get to see Pudge start uh, in my first Tigers game ever. I don't even think he got like a pinch hit at bat or anything. I think he just rode the bench. He had the day off that day. So all that excitement, all that, all that energy going into it, and got to watch Vance Wilson start over <laughs> Hall of Famer Pudge Rodriguez. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's happened to us a couple times going to minor league games. Like, all right, we're going to go get some video of this prospect. Can't wait to see him. Not in the lineup. 
Yeah. It's like, yeah, oh. it's a, it was maybe, maybe, maybe it was an omen for just, you know, like the long hardships of being a Tigers fan. That's how it starts. You just gotta, <laughs> yeah. gotta be patient. You know, it started with Vance Wilson. Maybe one day it'll culminate in a world series championship. We'll just have to wait and see. Well, I got to You know, Luke, you're going to ask. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Chris. You're going to ask a question. Sorry. Oh, nothing. I, no, I was just going to say, you know, it reminds me of our buddy Jed uh, became a Tigers fan in, I think, 2006. He's in England. He just happened to be watching TV and baseball was mm-hmm. on and the Tigers were in the World Series. So I was like, all right, I guess that'll be my team. Yeah. That's the I got to ask, though, Luke, you're you're. Yeah. So you're in WGN country and the whole thing with that and Hawk. You got Hawk Harrelson out there. He had. Of course, the great and uh, wow, uh, here you got Harry Carey and what have you. So all that and Chicago's got some really, there's a radio legends. Chicago. When I think of when I think of radio, I think of two towns. I think of New York and Chicago when it comes to radio talent because there's all this great talent comes out of there. But did did Hawk Harrelson was he ever a guy that you're like, man, I really get look forward to his games. Calling his hearing his games, you're like, mercy, no. <laughs> it's funny because. I mean, I obviously have a bunch of friends who are Sox fans, a bunch of friends who are Cub fans. And I always, I mean, obviously I would get more acclimated with guys like Hawk Harrelson or Steve Stone. And I've got Jason Minetti uh, because the Tigers, you know, play the Sox more than they do the Cubs. But I, I always actually enjoyed Hawk Harrelson. And actually, if you want a good laugh, go on, go on YouTube and type in like Hawk Harrelson, like freaks out. Some of his calls are hilarious. Like as a, you know, every now and then, yeah, when the Tigers were kind of getting their butts kicked by the Sox and, you know, the, the amount of times I think I heard him say way back, he looks up, you can put on the board gone when Jim Tomey, Paul Canerco or Jermaine Dye would hit home runs against the Tigers. I think I could probably, you know, buy Comerica Park if I really wanted to. Um, but, you know, I mean, I always had respect for those guys uh, and, you know, uh, they were they were great and it just kind of you know it's part of the friendly rivalry it's funny alex and i we just recorded our uh our monday show before we got on the horn with you guys and we both kind of agreed that it's weird because you know when i think of, like the socks and the tigers yeah there's a rivalry there because they're in the same division but i don't really have any bad blood towards the socks i mean there was years they were better than us and now there and then there was years we were better than them right now they're better than us and it just kind of is what it is i don't know there's like when it comes to like team teams in the al central it's like Cleveland and Minnesota and Kansas City. I really like, especially Cleveland, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, but like when we play the Sox, I'm like, yeah, they're a good team. Uh, I know we want to beat them. But, you know, at the same time, I don't despise them, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I'm the same way because I love the I like the White Sox. I have no issue with them. And not to mention as a Cuban-American, the threat of Cuban talent, too, as somebody growing up as my my father got me into baseball. So for me, it's just nothing but an admiration for the organization that has embraced it for a for a longer time in mini Minosa in the in the fifties, which <clears throat> by the way, if, if you had a chance, Chris, to get a sandwich from his that's down at guarantee rate. Yeah, he makes a sandwich. He makes like the, the, the Minosa, it's like a Cuban sub. Oh and man. Forgot what um where it's at in the ballpark, but I've been to a couple of games, Tigers games down there in Chicago, and they, he makes a that's a Minosa has a sub sandwich. It's oh. Phenomenal, phenomenal the, stuff. The, uh, actually, I have a, a, a relatively hot take. I think guaranteed rate minus the name down in the south side of Chicago. I think it's an awesome ballpark. I think it gets severely kind of crapped on. And I think that's because it lives in the shadow of Wrigley Field because Wrigley Field is this big, illustrious, you know, landmark, historical, throw it in the Smithsonian, all that crap. But I think guaranteed rate is actually a, a sneaky, good ballpark. And you just kind of touched on it right there. They have some of the best food ever. 
Their yeah. food is off the charts. It is so good. They just opened that um, the new like I don't know what it is. They're kind of there's like a bar and grill right across the street. Everyone's trying to you know kind of replicate Ballpark Village or Wrigleyville, um, but you know they got great food. And I I think you know in terms of watching a game, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of in an inconvenient location. It's not like in the heart of Chicago. But then again, neither is Wrigley. You know, Wrigley's on the north side. Sox are on the south side. It is what it is. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's a great ballpark. I, Alex knows this. I have kind of a, a life goal to visit all 30 stadiums. So right now I think I'm at six of 30 active. If we're counting old Marlins seven, uh, but yeah, out of active stadiums, I'm at six of 30. So I love, we could be talking ballparks all day. If, if oh. I, <laughs> Yeah. They're the best. No. And before, before we move on, the one thing I will say about the, my, my experience down at the South side of Chicago has been literally walking out to my, I was wearing a, the eighties tigers away Jersey and some White Sox fans. It was the first and only time in my life where I legit. It was, I was legitimately kind of like, oh, damn, guy Kyle mm-hmm. across the way from the parking lot as I'm going up the, that big loopy ramp thing. Guy goes, "Hey, what are you doing? Why are you wearing that jersey?" And he, you know, a couple of explicitives, swearing, you know, swearing at me, and he's like, "You better cover that up, man. You wouldn't be messing with, man. Don't mess with us." And I'm just like. Was he serious? And my buddy Ray goes, just do what he says. Just go. <laughs> and it was, it, I'm like, you, you realize you were in the south side of Chicago. I'm like, we're from the, and then I realized, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to just shut up and zipped up my jacket and walked in. But I am, yeah, man. I mean, it's, I mean, some, some of those, I mean, for the most part, the fans are pretty good and respectful. But I, two years ago, I remember I went to a game. It was like the 2018 season, like the third game of, of the season. It was cold in April. It was like 30 degrees out. It was me and my younger brother. He was probably 14 at the time. I, you know, was just probably out of college and these with tigers won like one, nothing. I think I want to say, and these like two guys come up to us as we're waiting for our Uber. They're getting in my face and like, just being like, you know, talking all this crap. And I'm like, what am I, what am I going to get into a, first of all, I'm not going to win this fight. I'm no mathematician, but I know two <laughs> against one isn't going to go well for me. I'm not going to ask my 14 year old brother to tag team with me. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's like any stadium, you got your good and your bad, but, uh, for the most part, again, it, I mean, I do think it's pretty underrated. And uh, hey, but you know, good for them. They've been so crappy kind of for a while now. So if they want to get pumped up. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's that's yeah. You're going to have your passionate fans. So speaking of passionate, the Tigers come back today. Let's let's break into Tigers news as Tigers come back to split the doubleheader. The tale of two different teams. You look at the last two games and. Alex, I'll start with you. In terms of the, you look at the nineteen nothing blow of the Brewers, then the first game of the doubleheader, Tarek Skubal looked a little inconsistent. Didn't really have the same sharpness he had against Minnesota, and then Kendall Larry, who had a good game the first game, comes back, has a clutch hit, drives in two. The Tigers take the lead, and then Bonifacio with a home run had a good defensive play earlier in the game, and not known for his defensive prowess. And the Tigers are still two back. It is one of those things where you just look at today's both games and what do you say to your, what do you say i mean it's just it's just it's mind-boggling yeah not to um you know get too folksy here but they remind me of like an old tractor this team where some like there's some <laughs> <laughs> like there's some weeks where that thing's just gonna start up for you and just purr and just be really really like easy to use. And there's other weeks where it's going to stall out on you every time you try and do anything with it. And that's just kind of what this lineup feels like to me is that, you know, there's, there's been stretches where 
they're great and they're beautiful and they're the the best the best tractor ever made and then there's other times where you're just like well i guess we're not gonna go i don't see i can't even finish the folksy metaphor because i'm such mm. a city boy i don't really know what you do with a tractor but uh you know it just is and like and there's no real it's not even like yeah you know if we can just get out there and get have candy get get a hit it's gonna spark the offense like that's not there's not even a singular thing that seems to like spark them or it's like guardy's got to go yell at the ump and then we'll be, then we'll be good to go you know uh so they're they're really uh it's such an enigma of a team that keeps getting giving us getting us so close to like being very hopeful and excited and then falling aback I, I, well you chris i mean earlier you had some really good tweets about ken Alario's numbers and his wrc plus but that first game it was just immediately when they, what was it the the twenty nine runs? It was what was that ridiculous stat you had out there earlier? Uh, let's see. So yeah, they had they had been outscored thirty one to nothing over the last thirteen fourteen innings. I think it was you know that was the three three runs they gave up late against the Brewers, which is kind of cheating, but whatever. Uh, and then the nineteen nothing debacle, and then they were down was it ten nothing against the Cardinals eight yeah, nothing something like that. It was yeah, it was. I don't know. It, it's it's such a short season and things have been so strange and up and down. It just seems like every now and then they uh, forget how to play baseball and then something snapped in the second game. Like, oh, yeah, hit the ball. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I Scooble just couldn't throw strikes. It seemed like every everything he threw was higher than he wanted it to be. And including like his change up in his slider, like, everything was up. So I don't know. I think it's one of those one of the steps that pitchers need to take is to figure out how to, you know, fix their own mechanics, in the middle of a game. I was I don't know if Rick Anderson ever came out and talked to him. It seems like a pretty rare occurrence this year, but yeah, he just didn't have it. And and then I think the final straw it was just bad luck. You know, they got a, a fairly weak single through the shifted infield where Scope got a bad jump, but it wasn't his day. And then you know then the relievers just threw some gas in the fire. But we've and we've seen that from sort of the the rest of the relievers, the non even in Cisnero had a rough night the other night, but like uh, you know, everybody but Soto basically has had a pretty off night lately. And I guess Brian Garcia too, who I was tweeting about his lack of strikeouts, but he keeps getting the job done. So what do I know? Yeah, I mean with the strikeout, he had the lowest strike was this the lowest second lowest strikeout rate among relievers in the in the majors. Heading into this, it might be the lowest now after tonight because he went, you know, three outs and didn't get anybody, didn't strike anybody out tonight. So, yeah, pitching is a Jack Morris special. He pitched the contact. Jack Morris always talks about he got to pitch contact. And so, well, it's working so far, but yeah, I mean, I'm skeptical it's going to keep working. You know, Chris, I think you kind of brought it up about um, uh, Rick Anderson. I always say on our show with Alex, I'm convinced at this point that Rick Anderson is telling the Tigers pitchers to never throw a first pitch strike. I think, I think he is almost saying, let's be a little different and let's not throw any uh, strikes on the first pitch. Let's always walk the leadoff hitter. Let's just wait. Well, and they're winging it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous how often they seem to be walking And and I, it gets really frustrating. We don't see it with Scooble as much, at least in his early starts. I mean, he had some rough stuff today, but, um, you see it with, with uh, my certainly and with Turnbull and even Boyd, they get ahead of hitters and then they will not throw them strikes. They throw a bunch of balls in a row. You know, they're trying to get chase pitches and it's just like, man, if, if your stuff isn't good enough to get strikes in the zone, 
then you're going to be in trouble because the hitters are taking more walks this year than in any year before. And you just have to challenge hitters. I, I know, you know, you, it's better to get them to chase, but at some point you got to stop trying that because then it's three, two, and then they crush the ball. Yeah. I've been noticing a lot. Like I think at Casey Mize in particular, which obviously, you know, we're all stoked that he's finally here and it's only, you know, obviously it's been a few rough starts up until this point. Uh, but I think his biggest Achilles heel all season has been, you know, he might get ahead of a guy one and two, or, you know, maybe he'll get it to two and two, but then he just gets just destroyed in these long at bats. I mean, his pitch count just gets obliterated. I mean, it it seems like he can't go more than three innings without, you know, being at a pitch count of 70, almost 80. So, I mean, that's just something he's got to work on. And I I chalked that up to, you know, kind of just a learning curve. I mean, obviously there's tons of pressure on him. We want him to succeed. And I have no doubt that he will succeed. I'm not going to judge the guy and, rake him over the coals because of four starts or whatever it's been. Um, you know, the, the dude is definitely the future. And it's the same thing for Scooble too, in that first game against the cards, Scooble has been pretty damn good since he's come up and uh, it was just a bad start and is what it is. When you get the guys like Matthew Boyd, I think it becomes a more intricate story. I think there's a lot of layers and levels to it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's just been, it's been frustrating to say the least. Do you guys think that, um, I mean, you guys follow, uh, prospect development and you know the the minor league system certainly much closer than we do but this this struggle from the pitching staff in terms of not throwing first pitch strikes comes out of the structure of summer camp and the situation in Toledo where they're they're only facing Tigers hitters who are not patient batters most of the time and so they're <laughs> able to get away with these things in practice that they can't get away with against much better more patient hitting teams. And for, for go ahead, Chris. I'll, 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 I'll no, you, go ahead. Uh, the, my perspective on, I think for, for in terms of a, with Dan Stubbs now coming in, the new guy who believes in analytics and what have you. And then the whole, I think the, the parading of, Hey, we're using analytics now and our lineup structure and everything not hadn't, but what's surprising is not been much said about the pitching side of things. And, I mean, Alex, I think you make a good point about that, perhaps with the pitching, of course, the summer camp. But I think also I think with Rick Anderson and he's never been, comparatively speaking to his 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 counterpart and the hitting coach with Joe Varva. Anderson's track record has never been good. And the the twins have when the twins were getting swept by the Yankees playoff in day in or year in, year out. I mean, you look at their, their – I'm starting to think of, like, Johan Santana, Brad Rackey. I'm trying to think of some ace pitchers they have and, and what kind of talent they had in that rotation, and nothing comes to mind. I'm just drawing blanks. It's all kind of third or fourth starter-like material, and he's got better talent here than he did. I think he has better talent here in Detroit than he did in Minnesota in terms of from a, a starting rotation perspective, but it is it is weird. It's Honestly, it's laborsome when you see Matt Boyd – what, 63 pitches through three innings the other night against the Brewers, something like that, just ridiculous. And it's the, it's when you're, when you're hearing pitchers correct themselves and give some, oh, well, you know, Anderson said something, but I don't see that happening very often. And that's where you would love to see, I think the Tigers could be in a better position, even over 500 had there, of course, the starters going deeper a, but B correcting the, the, the inconsistencies of the staff is kind of alarming, especially when Trimble's nibble, 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 nibble. And, and that's my perspective on that. I think with the rotation that I, I haven't seen 
you see the analytics approach different. You've seen the ball, the hard hit contact on the hitting side. You see results with that. The relievers have probably been the most consistent thing among the pitching staff. Yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> I can never figure this team out. You know, last year I thought that the hitting would be okay, but the pitchers would be trouble and the pitchers ended up almost average. Uh, and the hitting was like the worst in Tigers history. And this year, so I was like, all right, well, it's going to happen again. And this year they got the second worst pitching staff in baseball. Uh, maybe the worst. I don't have, you know, haven't looked at the Red Sox too much, but yeah, it's just, just, it's really frustrating. You see Fulmer go out there and get bombed every fifth day for, you know, he seems like he gets through the first inning every time. And then after that, it's just garbage. And Boyd, you know, he, he had a couple good starts and he got destroyed again. And they got the two kids. And then, yeah, I don't know. He, they even thrown out there for the fifth start of these days. Turnbull, I guess, yeah, it's not the fifth one, but I don't know. It's it's just frustrating to see the inconsistency. You would hope that they could figure something out in that regard, but I don't know. I guess uh, Rick Anderson's doing his best. Yeah, the the starting ERA, by the way, for returns of for for the Tigers wise, it's it's alarmingly bad. And I'm talking I'm talking all time. I mean, the Red Sox are in a different class by themselves. They have, but I think the Red Sox don't even have the worst run differential in the league, but the Tigers have the worst starting staff in the ERA, uh, 6.45. and Red Sox are at 6.39. So in terms of starting pitchers per fan graphs, that's where we stand at the ERA. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's bad. Um, so before today, let's see. Yeah, yeah it's before, yeah, before today. So we do a segment every week and it's called Inside the Numbers and and buddy, these guys have given them a chance to think about a number that stands out to them baseball stat wise. And so um, wanted to provide an example, let Chris t- do the first inside the number. And I'll let you guys after that go take your turn. So, Chris, take it away. All right. Well, yeah, I just looked six, five, eight after today for the Tigers. Uh, but uh, yeah, so today my inside the numbers are five and twenty eight point four. And five is, of course, the number of tools that we were told Jorge Bonifacio has by <laughs> assistant GM David Chad during one of the broadcasts this season. And I thought, I at the time remember, are you kidding me? This is absurd. Uh, and yet, and yet, 28.4, that is Jorge Bonifacio's sprint speed this year. And by feet per second, he's in the 88th percentile. He's the fastest player on the team. He is, he's as fast as Jose Altuve this year, faster than Delino DeShields and Whit Merrifield. Uh, this is Jorge Bonifacio, who looks like a barrel with leg. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was like, what? And then, yeah, well, tonight, the second game, he went three for four, made a really nice running catch in, uh, in you know, left center field, had a home run, two balls hit over 100 miles per hour. So I think, uh, and, and just based on the fact that he's on the team and Kristen Stewart is down in uh, Toledo, Makes me feel like the Tigers, uh, you know, certainly he doesn't he doesn't walk and he strikes out too much, but that's never bothered the Tigers. So I think I think maybe they think they found themselves a fourth outfielder here. All right, that's my inside the number. That's a good, that's a good side of number. Alex, do you have an inside of number for us? I do. Uh, I'm also going to go with the number five. So uh, like Sesame Street, this episode brought to you by the number five. Uh, <laughs> but my number five is the number of Tigers hitters that are in the top 100 for average exit velocity. Nice. And hmm. that is uh, Miguel Cabrera, Jamer Candelario, Victor Reyes, Nico Goodrum and Jacoby Jones, sadly, in there. And what was su- most surprising to me as I looked at this number is that, uh, you know, Jonathan Scope is not in the top 100 in average exit velocity this season, um, though I would 
you know, with as much hype on the broadcasts as I feel like we've had about exit velocity as, uh, you know, the the hot money ball stat right now. And uh, that scope is actually 170th in, in Major League Baseball right now. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think we looked uh, a while ago that that uh, he's got like 12 hits this year on uh, balls with an exit velocity of 80 miles an hour or below. Wow. So, yeah, it's just kind of fortunate. But, yeah, I remember early, looking earlier, too, CJ Crone had one of the lowest exit velocities on the team. I was like, what? He hits the ball a billion miles an hour. But, <laughs> you know, small samples, I guess, can, can throw that off. Although, I guess the samples are getting larger now. All right. Luke, what about you? All right. Well, I got to preface this by saying I was never a mathematician in school. Alex can attest to this. We went to college together, and math is not my strong suit, or neither are numbers for that matter. But I'm going to give it my best try. I got a number here, and it's 72, 72, and this is excluding the most recent doubleheader series between the Cardinals and the Tigers, but in the last seven games, the Tigers have struck out for a total of 72 times through seven games. That's dating back from September 4th to the 9th, so that would have been, what, the uh, five games against Minnesota and then the two against Milwaukee. At 72 strikeouts in seven seven games comes out to, as you could guess, around 10 strikeouts a game. And this is just kind of something Alex and I have been talking about all season, as have all us Tigers fans, just way too many strikeouts. I mean, and it's been, Alex, remember our first episode when they were playing the Reds after that, that first weekend series? Um, we were talking about how, like, yeah, you know, this it wasn't a good start, but, you know, they're hitting the long ball, so that's great. As long as they can knock down those strikeouts a little bit, we should be pretty good smooth sailing for the season. Well, what's happened is the long ball has gone away, but the strikeouts have stayed and maybe even gotten worse. So, uh, yeah, just it's kind of the same thing, this overall narrative with the season with the Tigers on offense. Yeah, we know they can hit. We know Candy can hit. Same with Reyes and Willie Castro, uh, Scope as well. But those strikeouts are still lingering. And, yeah, 72 strikeouts through the seven games of the uh, past five Minnesota and then the two in Mil- uh, two against Milwaukee uh, in Detroit. So, yeah, 72. Yikes. Yeah, I, I remember I actually was listening to that episode you guys were talking about, like, just giving some regular hits, too. This can't be all home runs. I remember you guys mm-hmm. talking about that. My number is negative 1.4, and that involves the team the Tigers are chasing for the last wildcard spot, and that is the Yankees. And that is representing their reliever F4. They're in their losing streak. So... If any indication, we've always talked about, Chris and I have talked about before about the Yankees bullpen. It's just universal. And Fangraphs put out a really good article about this tonight. I thought it was fascinating. Before August 17th, before the losing streak, their war rank was ninth. Since then till the 7th, they're ranked dead last. And their war is negative 1.4. Before that was 1.2. And that ties into Detroit, well, because there's two former Tigers on that roster in that bullpen. That would be Louis Sessa and Chad Green. Chad Green is spotting an ERA. The Yankee, he's since August 18th, he's spotting an ERA of 11.37, and his FIP is 10.6, and he's good for a negative minus five WAR. Aronis Chapman, who say what you will about him, he's kind of a dick. But I just, I mean, just, we've been looking back for the Tampa for the Tampa series is spotting a negative war of 0.4 and he's rocking a FIP of 10.15. So the Yankees, I mean, it's just in terms of they're just getting, not getting it done. Um, it potentially is going to probably cost in the division. And it's just, it's, if the Tigers continue to Tigers are infuriating, but if the Tigers can build something together, it can catch up the Yankees. But 
The Yankees bullpen is a trademark, and to see it this bad is kind of strange to me. So that is my inside the number for the week. So, All right. yeah. So we move on to the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so this week, Chris, I don't know if you have a theme for your good and bad, ugly. I know we've been doing I themes. Do. All right. So I went a little bit across the board and also with the start of the NFL season tonight, too. That is also kind of plays into my good and bad ugly this week because I'm not sure. I did, I did two fantasy drafts and I let my I got I let the teams be auto picked for the first time because I was just I've been so engulfed with baseball. I have no idea what's going on with football wise, but it is strange to think now football and baseball going on at the same time. No training camp, no exhibition games. So either way. Chris, why don't you lead off the good and bad and ugly this week? All right. So, yeah, my I've been mo- moving around uh, baseball, and today we're in the AL Central, the Tigers' home. Uh, and so my good, uh, this isn't going to be terribly surprising, but it's Shane Bieber. Um, I don't think Tigers fans need to be told how good he is now, but uh, he's really good. <laughs> he, he leads all <laughs> pitchers with uh, 2.7 F war. 2.8 uh, B war is, is second behind Max Fried. Uh, he's 7-0 and with a 1.25 ERA right now. And uh, this is the big one. He's striking out 14.67 batters per nine innings. Um, the record strikeout per nine inning uh, for a starter is 13.82 by Garrett Cole last year. There have only been three starters ever who topped 13. Cole last year, Randy Johnson in 2001, and Pedro Martinez in 1999. Um, though uh, Jacob deGrom is also over 13 this year. You know, strikeups are going up in general. But, yeah, it, it's a strange short year, and he probably wouldn't be keeping this up through a whole season. Uh, just because that's not the way it works. But if he did, he'd finish with 211 strikeout, 211 innings and 345 strikeouts, uh, which would be top 20 all time uh, with Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan, Bob Feller, and then a bunch of randos from the 1880s. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's dominant. Uh, my bad, we're going to go to the Royals here, is Adalberto Mondesi, uh, who, it's funny, man. He feels like he's really old. He's been part in the majors for parts of five years, but he's still 25. Uh, and has like fewer than 400 games. Uh, but a couple of years ago, it seemed like he figured everything out. He came up in, in 75 games. He had 14 homers and stole 30 bases. He looked like, you know, like a fantasy monster at the very least. He was almost a three-win player. And then last year, uh, he was solid. Nine homers, 43 steals for another two-win season. But he was, you know, there's some red flags. He, he never walks. And then he was striking out at 30% rate. And this year, it's just a disaster. He's hitting 204 with five walks and 54 strikeouts. Only one home run so far. And he does have 13 steals, but, you know, when you're not getting on base very often, it's hard to, hard to rack those up. He's currently at negative 0.5 war, which is tied for the worst among regulars with Josh Bell and J.D. Martinez. I didn't realize J.D. was doing so poorly. Uh, but uh, Mondesi's 29 WRC plus is by far the worst in baseball. It's almost half uh, as or twice as bad as uh, the number two worst hitter, which is Javi Baez. Another guy I didn't realize he was doing so poorly. His is 57. So. I don't know. There's still still time. Like I mentioned, he's 25 and the tools are there. But, man, it's been a rough year for Mondesi. Um, and with my ugly, I'm sticking close to home with the Tigers. Uh, 19 nothing loss to the Brewers the other day. That was the 14th time in Major League history a team has been shut out while giving up 19 or more runs. Uh, they gave up 13 extra base hits, which is the second most of any team ever in one of these 19 nothing blowouts. And then the most, tied for the most they've ever given up in a game. And for fun, the two hits the Tigers got was the lowest number for any team in a 19 nothing blowout. <laughs> they they had the worst <laughs> offensive performance in such a game. Uh, and, and they gave up 44 total bases, which is the second most they've ever surrendered. The, the most was 47 in an eight-inning performance, which is crazy. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, that was just one of the ugliest games that you're ever going to see. So glad they got it out of their system, apparently, although it took another game against the, the Cardinals to do it. So that's my ugly for the week. You guys got to look at that 19 uh, nothing loss like it's a game of golf. The low score is actually the winner. So in my eyes, the Tigers had a commanding <laughs> victory against the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, and yeah, as they true. did the next game against the Cardinals when they only scored two runs. So it's, you know, they are the Tiger Woods yes. of the MLB. Yeah, they won some sort of slam last year. <laughs> Man. All right. So, Luke, what about you? What's your good and bad ugly for this week? So I'm going to keep it. Uh, I'm going to keep two, the good and bad for the Tigers and then ugly. We're going elsewhere. But I'm going to say good right now. I just want to give I want to give this guy a huge shout out. A lot of love. Jamer Candelaro. We all know it. Uh, this dude is just I really think come together this season. Uh, you know, 2018 wasn't terrible. It was kind of his debut. People, I think, sometimes forget he almost slugged 20 home runs that season. So he's got some pop in the bat. 2019 last year was kind of definitely not great, but then everything Tigers baseball related in 2019 was not great. So I'm not going to just, you know, pin it specifically on him. But in terms of 2020, I think the dude has come to play. I mean, this is taking into consideration the great game he had uh, against the Cardinals in the doubleheader. He's he's hitting 333 right now, seven home runs, 28 RBIs, and an OPS at 979. I mean, the dude just, he's just clicking right now. And it's so awesome to see. And Alex and I kind of talk a lot about on our show it's interesting, you know, the Tigers are going to have some decisions to make here in the next season or two because we've got Candelario, who, you know, should be a third baseman. I think he's handled the transition to first as well as he can be. He's kind of just been thrown over there, and he's doing his best. Uh, but we saw w- how great he was playing at third before going over to first to fill in for Crone. Uh, but then even on top, they got Paredes, who's at third right now. Torkelson is supposed to be a third baseman that's what we're hearing i have no doubt in my mind that he'll eventually go to first base at some point down the road but as of now he's a third baseman at least that's what he's kind of marked as so you know it's going to be interesting to see how do they deal with guys uh like paredes candy and torque down the road because all three guys you know i think could benefit the team in winning but just in general i'm, I'm really stoked for jamer started uh the season 0 and 17 he went on that 0 and 17 slump to start the season and just to see where he's come through now in my eyes he's the best hitter on the team as of now and i think i know scope really got off hot he's kind of cooled off as of late but i think you can definitely make an argument that jamer's the best hitter he's the mvp of, of the team so far this season i i don't think you know you could really go against that um my bad is actually this is kind of going to be a weird one and it's Derek Hill. Uh, and it's actually nothing that he has done. It's actually more of a gripe I have right now. I guess maybe it's with Gardy or Lloyd when he was managing the, the team over the weekend. You know, they keep saying that we know Derek Hill can play great defense. We saw him show up during summer camp with some of those grabs he was making in the exhibition games or the inner squad games, I should say. But they say all the time how we don't know if he can hit. We don't know if we can hit. We don't know if he can hit. Well, in order for him to prove if he can or can't hit, he needs to get some at-bats. And through seven games that he's been with the team, he's had five at-bats. He's had no starts. Meanwhile, Bonifacio, Demerit, and even Daz Cameron in these last three games has gotten nine at-bats. And he's only been with the team for two days. And so I just think Derek Hill needs more at-bats just to have a chance to prove if he can swing it or not. I mean, you can't count a guy out when you haven't even given him a chance yet. And so far, I feel like in the week that he's been here, he hasn't really gotten much of a chance. And I'm sorry giving him a, a pinch run, you know, letting him pinch run for Kristen Stewart or Miggy in the seventh or eighth inning, that doesn't prove much to me. And yeah, maybe he gets an at-bat the ninth, but by then 
You know, it's like, give the guy a chance. Give him a start. There's In my mind, there's no reason why Das Cameron couldn't have started game one of the doubleheader and then Derek Hill couldn't have started game two. I mean, you, I know he'll probably get some opportunities at some point, I hope, but it's like if, if you're going to say that this guy we're, we're worried about is hitting, you got to at least give him a shot to prove himself, and right now he hasn't gotten it. Um, so that's my bad. And for my ugly, I'll, I'll move away from the Tigers, and I'm actually going to push uh, kind of what your ugly was, Chris. Yeah, the Tigers lost 19 to nothing the other night, but at least they weren't the Miami Marlins who lost 29 to nine against the Atlanta Braves. Yikes. Uh, not pretty, not pretty at all. Uh, losing by 20 runs. I guess we can say we only lost by 19 as opposed to Miami who lost by a full 20. But uh, yeah, 29 to nine. That is a you know, even even if, you know, by any indication, the Marlins scored nine runs, which on, you know, nine times out of 10 is a great night for an offense to put up nine runs in the majors. But when you're uh, giving up 29 runs on the other end, yikes, uh, I think I think we got to reevaluate the pitching strategy. But, yeah, that, that's my ugly. The, the the fish losing 29 to nine against the Braves. Not not pretty. All right. The best look- part about that was uh, was Bryce Will- Wilson getting the save. He pitched <laughs> yeah. the final four innings and yeah. got the save. Yeah. yeah. I remember that happened in the, I don't know, it was Texas beat Baltimore 30 to three once, and a, a dude got the save in that game, too. It's absurd. <laughs> oh, that's so strange. All right, Alex, what about you? What's your good and bad ugly this week? Yeah, my, my good, I'm going to, all of these, I'm sticking with the Tigers in all of these. And uh, the good, our 10th prospect of the season made their Tigers debut this week and I think that it is really hard to argue that the big league experience these young guys are getting won't be super helpful moving forward they're also in the midst of uh, they're getting to experience uh, and albeit strange but a playoff push Uh, so they're these young guys getting major league experience in a playoff push which gives me a lot of hope that this team can and will be competitive for a playoff spot next season uh, as these guys kind of settle into playing at the big league level. My bad uh, kind of goes along with that. According to baseball reference, the Tigers only have a 2.2% chance to make the playoffs at this point. Um, I, you know, who am I to argue with the math of baseball reference? But I think that, you know, the if I looked at trend lines, I would think that the Tigers are a little bit better than that uh, based on, you know, talking about how the Yankees are sliding and, all of the other things happening around the league as teams fly. And I'm uh, sticking with uh, a very similar theme here in the ugly, the, the tigers allowing 31 unanswered runs from Tuesday afternoon until Thursday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's yeah. It was one of those games too, where I almost thought I was like, a, when I saw Travis and Mary, Got up there. Oh, yeah, nice smooth motion. And he got rocked for four runs. I felt bad. He <laughs> threw too many strikes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, it's a lamb. Like, I remember it was the seventh grade. I usually play the outfit or catcher, and I was the guy that had to go out there, and we were up down. We were just trying to get to the mercy rules. So, mercy rules would so get home. And we were up. There were, we were down by six, and our coach was like, you know, just wave the white flag. We'll, we'll put you in. You're just going to get hammered. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. And, <laughs> Just kept grooving them down, and they were double, 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 and little, little league. But uh, so my good and bad ugly this week kind of stays a little bit towards the AL East. And the good is Bobby Dolbeck, who Chris and I, we saw him last year at Toledo hammer a Kyle Funkhauser home run. Was it the left, Chris? Yeah, crushed it yeah, with the screen. Yeah, he crushed it. He's the first player in the modern era since 1900 with a five-game home run streak within his first 10 career games. 
Prior to this, the earliest career game player began a five-game home streak, home run streak was 14 by Reyes by Ryan's Hopkins or Hoskins in 2017. His streak began in Game Six. That's course courtesy of Elias Sports Bureau on that stat. And Dolbeck, I know there's some there's some there was a web I think it was a radio station out of Boston said this was bad for Boston baseball. And I'm thinking to myself, you guys need all the good headlines you can get. This is this is a guy who came up for the minor leagues. A, you guys are a mess right now. You're going to complain about him not hitting the ball. Get out of here. I mean, the home run. People like the home run. What do you want? My bad is Garrett Cole. And Garrett Cole has been – the Yankees have had a long line of sign relief pitchers who – they have some sort of – you know, they have a good track record, and they somehow don't cut the big lights in, in New York to a certain extent. And – his barrel rate. So I was looking at his barrel rate. I was looking at some of the numbers to say, okay, well, is it just it, last year? His barrel rate was 5.7. It's jumped up to 10.2. And the average velocity last year was 87.6, which was a second career's low, the second lowest in his career. And it's jumped up to over 91 right now. So he's getting hit hard. Um, it's a transition thing. You look at his, where he's hitting the ballpark. And it's just it's uh, it's it's awful, and and I, and I know for Yankees fans they expect a lot better than that. But yeah, Garrett Cole's off to a bad start, which means he'll get better, as Chris would say. Of course, that means he's just going to have a chance to get back on speed. And the ugly, and I say this, and and this is Tiger related, but I mean it's from the heart. Is Willie Castro's defense? Um, Willie Castro is in terms of defensive runs saved. Um, which is a baseball prospectus tool. He is just one of the ranked one of the worst and he's got an arm on him. And I know the Tigers were talking about putting him, they're trying him out in the outfield, which I think is not an, actually not a bad idea. He keeps hitting. So I have no fault with this hitting game whatsoever. None. Um, but as you mentioned earlier, I believe it was Luigi mentioned this earlier about the, 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 the plethora of players, the Tigers have to make a decision on and not just here. I mean, you're talking and I wrote this in the article today about, I'm Motor City Bengals about they have Jacob Robson, they have Cam Gibson, they have all these outfielders. Alzacar, what are they going to do with them? Are they just going to sit in Toledo and Erie again? No. Um, you have Candelario, who I think could make his case to stay at first base because if you look at the depth chart, it's nothing but tumbleweeds currently right now. I mean, Torkelson is, they're talking about staying at third, staying the course, which is okay. Um, then you have Isaac Paredes, who could play potentially second if if um, Scope doesn't come back because they don't have any depth at second base. So the, in terms of depth right now in the outfield, I think Willie Castro could – it's worth a shot. I mean, he has the athleticism. I don't see why not. But in terms of the infield, he had that, that – was it? I forgot it was the other night that he just aired that over first. It was like, oof. Yeah. So um, I think – Willie Castro, if he's in the outfield, could provide the Tigers a left fielder if Christian Stewart can't get it together. Christian Stewart has two minor league options left after this one, which I, I'm not sure how it works now with the 60-game schedule and all that stuff, but it, nevertheless, he was still technically sent down to the minors. And But if you're going to look for a long... If you're going to look for a short-term solution in left field with Riley Green potentially on the corner and right, you have Victor Reyes, who could play left too, um, why not give Willie Castro a chance? Because his his defense and infield is kind of ugly. So that is my good and bad and ugly for the week. Nice. 
no, I, I uh, the Derek Hill thing has been kind of confounding to me too. Um, I assume that they're going to send him back to Toledo as soon as Harold Castro is ready. Um, but yeah, you would think that they would, I mean, they're treating him kind of like the player we assume he is a like 26th man on a playoff roster. That's just there to steal bases and play defense. But you'd think they'd at least want to see him hit a few times, but yeah, it's, it's like, I, even if he were a good hitter, I think it's tough to get one at bat every four days. Yeah. They're there. I've noticed that Alex kind of, you know, I know you brought it up with the whole, it's been great that they've brought up 10 prospects this year. That's awesome. But there's just, they make certain decisions like that and like not giving him a chance of at bats or the, the big one that's just glaring to me right now. And we talk about this a lot on our show and I know Tiger's Twitter is almost seething over it. How Grayson Griner is still on the team and Jake Rogers has not been called up is beyond me. I know last year Rogers had a pretty abysmal debut, but again, it was 2019. The entire team was abysmal. It's not like just because Jake Rogers sucked. The like it was a domino effect. They were crappy before he even got there. They were crappy once he was there. It doesn't really matter. Like, so I I just sometimes they make these decisions and I I just don't get it. And also it's like we were told for so long that Jake Rogers is the guy of the future. But then they get then then they get Dylan Dingler. Now now I'm starting to hear things like it's well maybe it's Dylan Dingler. So like it, I feel like it's again it's like if you if you don't think he's the guy, at least give him a chance to earn it. And don't don't say his chance was last year 2019. Rogers, give him a chance this year because I'm sorry I know Grayson Griner had the home run the other day and I'm sure he's a great guy. He's six six. He's a he's a tall dude. Watching him in person catch games. I mean he he's a big he's a big fellow behind behind the dish. But like give Rogers a chance at least. I mean he just it's just I don't want to sound like a crybaby, but it almost is like unfair. It's like just give the dude a shot. Oh, it's a fair point, and it's a fair point, Luke. And the the biggest thing too is that here's another thing that doesn't make any sense to me. If Alcantara and I look, I'll I'll I'm I'll raise my hand and say, look, I have said this numerous times. Alcantara was wasting space on a 40-man roster for somebody else because the Tigers have drafted or picked up players, light-hitting players that can play defense. And Alcantara's defense was that's what he's known for. And they start him at third base, which he had nine career starts. And I was kind of confused, but you're not gonna give Derek Hill, who doesn't have, I mean, he has a little more power up potential than Alcantara, but you're gonna have Alcantara. But then hits a home run, you're like, well, you know, crap. I mean, that makes me look stupid at the moment. And then he had a triple. And from us hearing Dan Dickerson on the broadcast saying that he's been his offense was coming along, but you're gonna give Alcantara a start, but not give Derrick Hill a start at all. It doesn't make any sense to me. And getting into Jake Rogers, unless Jake Rogers did he did he kick somebody's dog or something? What is what's going on? No, because it's just so weird to me that. And I know he he had I think did he I think was he on the COVID uh, list at no. all? No, I don't think I so. Of. No, I don't think okay. so. No, all right. Though that makes it even worse. Then that, that makes it stranger to me. Then because then then every once in a while you can and you can hear in the broadcast you can kind of read in the tea leaves when you listen or you look at the the local media and they say things like, "Well, Eric Haas is having a really good camp," or he's been doing or so and so, like for example Matt Shepard on the t- broadcast last week said something that made me horrified he's like they were talking about bringing somebody up and they're like oh yeah maybe maybe Brandon Dixon gets a call and it's like oh, wait what Brandon Dixon what 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 so it kind of <laughs> and it always it's always kind of like a prelude to something so I almost thought they like in the back of my mind I'm like really Brandon Dixon but luckily it didn't happen but my my point is 
Jake Rod, there is no no logical explanation from Malavila in any of these press conferences about Jake Rogers. Nothing. It is like he doesn't exist. There is no access to Toledo, so we have no effing clue what's going on down there at all. We can't even get a streaming. Well, you can go to Do- you know, the Dodgers. You can go ahead and check out what's going on in their camp. Tigers. It's like it's like Area Fifty One. Why? Why? Why is Jake, is Jake Rogers being probed or something? What is going on that we cannot? have some sort of remnants of information rant over. Well, I yeah, agree. It's know, a good we rant. Got a, <laughs> Thank we you. we got a question. Oh, all right. About, I don't know if you got any questions in the inbox. Um, Let me check the one inbox. Of the, Go ahead. One of the questions, it's actually a four part question. And the first one is, is, is Grayson Griner DFA by the end of the Chicago White Sox series? Um, uh, I can, we can do this one by one. I will yeah. say this. Uh, and I say this all the time on our podcast that, that, Teams let us know what they think about players based on where they have them, where they keep them, where they put them, you know, what, what, what level. And I think it's fairly obvious that the Tigers just don't like Jake Rogers anymore, or maybe they never did. The one thing I was just getting a Twitter discussion about this tonight. The, the only statistical basis I can come up with possibly is that he gives up too many pass balls. He doesn't catch the ball enough. Uh, you know, Grayson Griner has been much better than that in his pro career than than Jake Rogers. Jake Rogers had nine pass balls in like 300 innings last year. It was really strange, although he's he's had some issues in the minors before, too. And I could see that being a fairly big issue. Um, as I said, you know, the, the very basic first thing you have to do as a catcher is catch the ball. And if you're not doing that, then that can affect any number of aspects of, of pitch calling and pitchers being comfortable throwing certain things to you and, and stuff like that. But still. There's so much more to what catchers do from, you know, calling a game to scouting, opposing hitters, throwing runners out. It's I, I think it's just pretty clear that they don't like the way Jake Rogers has progressed. And to the point where they rather play Grayson Griner, who's like a career 170 hitter with with fringe average defense. They think that's better than Jake Rogers, which is disappointing. I would love to see him play, but uh, I think. And I was just just typing this out. I I don't want to do the like appeal to authority fallacy. We're just well, they're the Tigers. They know best. But it does feel like in the past when they've uh, resisted these sort of calls to bring up younger players or prospects, at least uh, you know when they're not manipulating service time like they did with Mize and Paredes and, and Scoobal, when they, the guys are performing and people want to see them, they're generally right. You know, I, I think to back when people were were clamoring for Joe Jimenez. And he's had one good half season and mostly been pretty terrible other than that. But people really wanted to see Mike Gerber. Uh, and that it lasted about, what, 18 games? <laughs> oh, yeah. For him. The, the fever behind Gerber. Yeah, so I, I think it's, it's – I don't know. As fans, we tend to get a, a perception of these players based on – I mean, sometimes it's the team's fault. You know, they hype guys up. But most of what we know about Jake Rogers is from, you know, internet scouting reports and rankings and prospect stuff. And, and that might just be completely opposite of what the team actually thinks of him. So it's hard to know. I wish we would see him. Uh, maybe we'll see him next year. I, I, I'm skeptical. And, and no, I don't think Grayson Griner is going to be DFA. Um, if you mean maybe they'll send him down to Toledo. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they'll give Rogers the last two weeks of the season. It's possible, I think. But I think they prefer Griner. That's that's what I think. I think they like Griner a lot too. And I, one, th- I mean, one thing, I mean, 
I don't know if, I, if Grayson Griner's got to learn how to frame pitches because <laughs> there's been there's been a couple games I've watched where it's like, ooh, that's a strike, ooh, but Grayson knocked it out of the zone. He just gave up yeah. on it. So it's just like there's again, I don't mean I always feel like I kind of knocked the dude. I'm sure he's a cool dude. I'm sure he's a good guy. All that stuff, but like. It's just it's just very skeptical. Sorry, I didn't mean to go on like a 20 minute thesis as to why Jake Rogers isn't here, but Grayson Griner is. But yeah, it's just it's just it seems it's just like it's so damn weird. And I I honestly think maybe did he like scream at someone down in Toledo? Did he like piss in someone's Cheerios? Did he kiss someone's girlfriend? I don't know, because he's just he he seems to be like blackballed. He is the Dalton Trumbo of the major leagues. (laughs) There you go. There's a reference. Yeah, we we. um... We've heard things. We heard that, that he was not uh, one of Doug Mankiewicz's favorite players, along with Daz Cameron. So I don't know if these kids from the Astros organization were being taught a different way that doesn't cut into what the Tigers do. Or maybe the Astros, being sly cheaters, pawned off two players with poor makeup to the Tigers. I don't know. I mean, I, I Daz seems like a nice kid. I don't think – I've never heard any like bad stuff about Rodgers, really. But um, I, there might be more to it. Then uh, certainly more than we know, but I don't know. So that was that was question one of four from SCR sixty seven. Well, we well we did get some questions, but we did get we did get one question or two questions um, from Matt Jacob over on oh. yeah. So are you you know who Matt yeah. Jacob? Is? Uh, I don't know if he's the one who. There's somebody who typically sends me DMs DM questions. I don't know if that's him or not. I don't think it is. But uh, if you, we'll finish this one, and then we can go to that one. Um, Sounds good. Sorry, my messenger keeps going off, and I know how to turn it off. I'm sorry. No, stupid. Not, sure, sure. Yeah, you sure you're not doing a cam show? No, no. no. <laughs> hey, don't. Hey, don't. <laughs> don't dare. There's a. We'll have to tell you the story after uh, after the off air on that. There's a. Oh, there's I didn't a, know we were on an OnlyFans. Well, yeah, yeah. That's. I'll plug my OnlyFans too. I mean, if that's what we're doing right now, and I, I don't know if it'll be as riveting as Alex's tractor talk from earlier in the episode, but uh, I'll give it my best shot. <laughs> Alex's tractor talk. That's a, uh, that's a new. That's a new podcast. podcast that's my new podcast. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> He's leaving Michigan yeah. and Trumbull to start Tractor Time with A.S. Freeman, dropping Tuesdays on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> tractor Time on Tuesdays. It's the only iteration. Uh, <laughs> the, um, the, the second part of this question was, is Franklin Perez called up before the end of the season? Uh, I don't know, what do you guys think about that? I think he will not be called up. I think he will just – I think the Tigers are going to proceed with caution with that and still – and again, he's not a name they haven't brought up either. Usually they bring up a name they like, and he hasn't been brought up yet. So, again, mm-hmm. just a reading between the tea leaves kind of statement there. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I could see it going either way, honestly, at this point. The season's wrapping up, although it feels like it's kind of gearing up too in terms of, you know, playoff hopes are kind of on the line with as the games go by. But, you know, if if honestly, if there's another 19 to nothing route like the other night against Milwaukee, then maybe, you know, out of desperation, um, you know, we, we I know Bo Burrows got brought up back, brought back up for the doubleheader. And we've seen Funkhauser. So honestly, though, I mean, I know Perez has had some injuries, but I mean, can he do much worse th- right now than a guy like Ronnie Garcia? I mean, get, I mean, it kind of goes back to the Derek Hill thing of like, give him a shot. Like, you know, I mean, why, why not at this point? 60 games shortened season. It seems like playoff hopes are dwindling more and more as the days go by. So it, it is what it is. I, I don't know. I, I don't think we will. But if we do see him at the same time, I won't be like overly surprised. 
yeah, I tend to think that we're we're pretty set in where the roster is until there's a clear shift in where this season is going. Like if you know if they pick up two against Chicago in, in the next three days, and we're still in this like weird middle playoff hunt, then I don't think we're going to see a lot of a lot of moves. Um, I think that that Al will stand pat on what what is happening in the roster. But you know if they if they drop all three, then like all bets are off. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, it's the way I look at it. Uh, I think there's basically only three pitchers on the 40-man roster who aren't with a team right now. Uh, well, I guess they sent down Schreiber and Funkhauser. But mm-hmm. uh, if they were, if something were to happen, they're basically, I, I don't know what the, the, the rule is this year, the 10-day rule or whatever, they might be able to bring one of those guys back. But the other three options are Anthony Castro, Derek Rodriguez, and Franklin Perez. Um and yeah, I don't. I think we'd probably see Derek Rodriguez first, just because they recently just brought him on. But I don't know. It's it's possible at this point, though. It's like what's yeah. I mean, just save him for next year. <laughs> I guess don't burn any amount of service time if he's only going to come up for like two outings. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they'll go all in on the kids in a minute. Yeah, just throw throw, throw it all in there. Was Chris? Was that the last question? Yeah. No, that was part two. Part three. The last oh, yeah. two were probably easier. Which, which, yeah, that's right. Go ahead. Which Tigers prospects are playing independent baseball besides Cody Clemens? I think we've talked about that before. I think it's just uh, we haven't scoured all the indie leagues, but the only other ones we know of are uh, shoot the uh, Trey Cruz and uh, Luke, the other? Sh- Luke Shirley. Yeah, Luke Shirley. Yeah, please don't call me Shirley. I think I think that's it. Yeah, that yeah that was, that was in the constellation. Yeah, that was. I'm trying to think of. I would have sworn there was somebody from Erie, another person from Erie, but I'm drawing a blank right now. But yeah, I think that was it. Those were the only three Tigers that, and Trey Cruz picked it up barely a little bit, but he's still, and we had a, we had a conversation with Cody Clemens last week about the kind of talent levels down there. So they're, yeah. they're seeing said Fernando Rodney was uh, bumming around there. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was. So it was, uh, so it was a uh, former, uh, Oh man. Uh, Scott Casimir was on there. Yeah, Scott Casimir. Thank you. Oh boy, Devil Ray. Yeah, and Ola, former. Yeah, yeah and there was uh, Josh Turley or Josh Turley was down there. Or, um, who was it? Kyle? Is it Kyle Ryan? No, who said? Uh, Kyle Dowdy. Kyle Dowdy. Yeah, he's down there. He was pitching for Trey Cruz's team. So, but he was getting lit up when I saw the start. I was watching that. How bad? How much I missed baseball? You guys were talking about the pandemic, and you guys started in March. <laughs> we missed. So outside of. Uh, outside my father's uh, funeral, I have only missed one week this year, and that's we were doing the show pandemic. We we're coming up with movie topics, and we we're just trying to keep it going as much as possible. And at some point, I remember getting the Constellation League package and watching any ball on my laptop, <laughs> and that's how desperate I was for baseball. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you, it, you guys started at the it. it you can, if you can survive a pandemic, you can survive. That's, a, that's what we've been saying. Yeah, we, we picked a hell of a time to try to get into the Tigers podcasting game. Alex, what what, what, were, what were we talking about that one week, like in March or April? It was like, what was the birthday of, uh, um, it was like some league or something or a, a labor law, or I don't remember what it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were talking about why, we were talking about the, the antitrust exemption. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> was a real. Baseball is illegal. Oh, yeah, that one got all, all the <laughs> listens and views. That one, that was the one we started trending on when they heard the that one. Oh, yeah, that was our big one. Michigan <laughs> in trouble for all your labor law analysis. <laughs> And then afterwards, we talked about tractors for six hours. (laughs) 
Look, a John Deere is better than any Ford tractor that was built during the heyday of Ford. Yes. Yeah, or the yeah, there was I remember too, we did a whole movie series, baseball movies, and we watched yeah. a movie. We did a juice ball one was one of my favorite baseball movies, and we were getting to think of because we didn't want to do the cliche movies like I was trying to think of like Feel the Dreams and stuff like yeah. that. Think of some uh, offbeat stuff and that made for some riveting conversation for sure. It was one of those times where we we got some audience participation and so it turned out pretty well what was the last question chris uh last one was the chances major league baseball averages the last two to three seasons for the 2021 draft order uh because people and if people don't know the before the season the commissioner apparently has the the right to determine the draft order I think that was basically in case uh, the season, you know, goes haywire and not everybody plays the same amount of games and things like that. I think they'll probably go by this year's uh, record. But I, I also think that there's a small chance that they'll try to do a lottery because I think they believe that tanking is an issue. Uh, and I, I, I don't know if a lottery would be allowed by the CBA or whatever, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'd, I'd say probably less than 20% that they'd averaged the last three seasons. I, I don't know. Rob Manfield. I, I don't sure where <laughs> he's a guy. I, you don't know what to expect from him. I, I do. I do. You know, what I expect, Susan, let me rephrase that. I expect chaos from him because he's, it's, it's just kind of chaotic, <laughs> but to save the national base time, the save the national pastime rule or law is all BS coded crap. Uh, you look at what's going on with the minor leagues right now with the the, ref the reformation of the minor leagues, which will eliminate will leave up to 130 teams. That was all rap. That was in his the runner starting at second base. That was his idea because attention spans are short and blah, blah, blah. And then the, you see the audience numbers that younger audience and women are participating, but he totally ignores that. Still puts on the Yankees and Red Sox every Sunday and no one cares because both teams are struggling. I digress. My point is, I think a lottery, I think a lottery would be something that he would do because if you notice too, the draft is changing to M to all-star weekend. I don't know if you guys saw that or not over the week uh, they no. said oh. last week. Yeah. So with the all-star game being near the draft, they're trying to get us. I think they're trying to model themselves as much on the other leagues. They're trying to be more, you see how they publicize the draft and, and, and they're trying to catch up to the NBA and NFL and how they, their approach. So why not continue that trend by doing a lottery? Just the theory. So your irresponsible speculation, if you will. So yeah, I think I think that there's uh, no chance that they would average the last three seasons because that would most help the Detroit Tigers. And so it absolutely will not happen. Yeah, it's just feel. Yeah, this is a Vince McMahon move like you are. Ah, they're not going to yeah, they're going to happen. And and honestly, in, look, in Boston, one, you, Boston's a big media market. It's one of your best popular markets. Do anything they can right now. Boston, I think, would have. Let's see if I if I they're at 15 wins right now, tied with Texas, Pittsburgh, and Arizona right there. And among that, if Boston continues to kind of tank a little bit, anything that could help them out and help them along their way, who knows? But I think a, I think a lottery could be kind of interesting. I also don't think that they'll group the last three seasons together because, as Alex said, the Tigers will have it made in the shade. Um, but I think a lottery could be kind of interesting. But I think we're probably just going to be going off these 60 games. Yeah, it's, it's going to be ugly. 
So that's it from SCR67. Thanks for those questions. Yeah. And thank you to where's the questions at? So I'm going to pull these up. So thanks to Matt Jacob for these questions. And I'm also, um, let's see here. Okay. All right. So his first question, typically Jonathan scope bats ahead of Miguel Cabrera, given how well scope is hitting and given how much less power Cabrera is hitting with, should Ron Garner switch these guys out? Luke, I'll let you take first crack on this. Um, Oh, that's that's a good one. I, you know what? I, I'm going to say no. Call me like a, a purist, but I there's just I mean, Alex has said in the past, you know, like there's this I think it's just kind of the way it's been in Detroit that Miggy's name has always been printed third in the lineup on the paper. It's been that way since 2008. And I think that's just kind of how it's going to be. Miggy's going to hit. I, you know, is he triple crown Miggy from a few years ago? No, he's not. But I still think he can be consistent. And I think he can definitely still produce in the lineup. Um, obviously, yeah, Scope's having the much better year and. Mickey's power numbers are way, way, way down. But I, I don't know. I, I think there's still something I like. And you even saw it in the um in the second game of the doubleheader when uh what's the Cardinals guy? Mike Schilt, right? The manager for the for the cards. Mm-hmm. There's something about Miguel Cabrera hitting third that's even though he's not the Miguel Cabrera of years past, he still scares the crap out of teams because they walk Cabrera to then get to a red hot Jamer Candelaria, which loaded the bases for Jamer. And then he hit the uh, the go-ahead runs. Now, granted, you can make the argument, well, maybe they were just walking Cabrera to set up the double play ball, you know, whatever it might be. But I still think there's uh, there's almost like this, um, this like prestige about Miguel Cabrera hitting third that at any moment, you know, yeah, he might ground and do a double play or he might hit a ball to the moon. So I don't know. I just, I, I personally don't see a huge reason to switch him around at this point in the season, but that's just, that's kind of me. I, I kind of like scope hitting too. Miggy three and then Candy hitting fourth. That's a good two, three, four. And I uh, granted Miggy's been it's been a rough season for Miggy, but I still think he can produce. And he Miggy's Miggy, and I I've noticed too, especially this season. The moment I start kind of being like, damn, Miggy's really scuffling. He seems to turn it on. So maybe I just need to start not giving him a lot of props, and he'll start turning it on again. I don't know. It's kind of how my work my relationship with worked with Victor Reyes, and now he's making me look like a damn fool, and I'm happy for it. Alex, what about you? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those, should they? Probably. Will they? No. Um, and I think that it's, you know, I don't, I haven't dug deep into the analytics of this, but it's, it seems like he's a bit of a hole in the lineup right now, Miggy at three. And I don't know why you, in a playoff push scenario, all things being equal, him not being Miguel Cabrera batting third for your Detroit Tigers, then I, you know, I think that you would kind of make some shifts in those in that lineup. But but Luke does bring up a good point. And especially when you think about then um, the the back half of the lineup that comes after Candelario is also producing in a, in a good way. And so it's it's one of those that you don't necessarily want to to make that sh- to make a shift that moves Miggy into a spot that makes a little bit more sense with how he's hitting um, may mess up some of the other things that have stacked in the lineup. Well, you, Chris. Yeah, well, I generally uh, don't care for like batting uh, order arguments. I don't think they don't make that much of a difference if uh, you're not a very good team. But yeah, if I mean, if you're going to move Cabrera, then you don't move him to second. You move him to like eighth because, uh, you know, he's among hitters on the team this year with seven or with, with 50, 50 plus plate appearances. He's seventh in OPS on the team. He's behind Candelario and Castro and Reyes and Jacoby Jones and CJ Crone 
and he's barely ahead of Georgie Bones, Jorge Bonifacio. <laughs> the only two regulars he's above are uh, Goodrum and, and Romine. So, I mean, he's one of the worst hitters on the team by that standard. But he's Miguel Cabrera, so you bet third. <laughs> That's just the way it goes. I mean, yeah. Matthew Boyd has the worst ERA in baseball uh, and has for the last year, and yet he's still the Tigers' top starter because he had some cachet there for a little bit. Uh, you know, you don't just get rid of guys uh, in the middle of the season. But at some point, they are going to stop. have to stop hitting Cabrera third some point in the near future, uh, probably because it's just not, I mean, we're going on a couple of years of this. He's not the same guy. His power is just, just gone. Basically his isolated power is in like the bottom 10% of the league. So uh, it's we sad, need, but we need Cabrera to be like kind of what Albert Pujols is with the angels. You know, he he's in that, he's in that cushy fifth spot. All the, you know, the, the eyes and the attention are really on Mike Trout and Rendon Upton when he's hot. Uh, um, Shohei Otane. Now that means we need to, in the Tigers organization, find a Mike Trout. I don't know if we're going to have one of those. If we do, fantastic. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, when guys like Riley Green and Torque uh, get up here, you know, I think that can really benefit Cabrera because then maybe you can put him down to fifth or sixth in the lineup and take that pressure on him, uh, pressure off him of being your, your number three hitter. And then, you know, that you know can go to Green or Torque or Candelario or Scope or whoever it might be, who's ever whoever's in, on this godforsaken team when that time comes. Yeah. So, Chris, you mentioned Matt Boyd, and that's the next question uh, for Matt Jacob. Any thoughts on why Matthew Boyd has been such has such? Try that again. Any thoughts on why Matthew Boyd has had such a miserable 2020 season? Chris. <laughs> well, you, you know, I was. I was actually writing an article about sort of about that because um, nothing about Matthew Boyd makes any sense to me uh, because he's, he's striking out, still striking out batters uh, at like a, a rate that's 15 to 30% above average for pitchers this year and walking batters 15% less than average. And yet his ERA is the worst in baseball and uh, his home runs are like 90% higher than average. And that's, that's never happened in baseball history where a pitcher would, with, with good strikeout and walk numbers like this also just happens to be incredibly Homer prone. And it was a terrible ERA. It's it's he's anomalous in the history of baseball. And I, so I, I, I have absolutely no idea what makes him so easy to hit home runs off of. Uh, I assume it's command. That's the, the only thing I can think of. I, I have to look into it no more, but it, if I'm guessing he's probably thrown a lot of pitches right down the heart of the plate. Um, Maybe he's just super easy to, to see the ball out of his hand, but it, it doesn't make any sense that, that he would also be above average at striking guys out. Uh, it's it's like he's like the uh, the Adam Dunn of pitchers, except without the walks. I don't know. N nothing makes sense. So I, I really I don't have any clue other than we're going on a year of it, and it kind of just seems like it's who he is now. You guys have any uh, thoughts you want to jump on that on? I mean, we love, we, we, we always say Alex and I, um, Matthew Boyd as a human being and as a person, I don't know if you're going to find a better guy, uh, who is just like a good human being with beautiful morals and just as like a good dude all around as a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers this season, it has been brutal. Um, and there's not much more you can say really about that. I mean, just he's if he's not walking guys he's giving up home runs and yeah the strikeout numbers are still good but i mean when you're given when you're striking out seven guys but you're giving up four home runs a game it definitely uh, tips the scales in one way rather than the other you know it's funny alex and i always say 
the longest time going into the season, uh, we both, well, I guess I'll kind of say I was at the, uh, the forefront of the hashtag extend Matt Boyd, uh, thing we were trying to do on Twitter. And I always said the day they extend Matt Boyd is the day I get a Jersey of his, cause I haven't bought a new Tigers Jersey in years, but, uh, yeah, I just don't know if I could do that right now after this 2020 season, but good dude, horrible season. I think he still should stick with the team, you know, for the next year or so. I, I, I don't want them to fully give up on him. I just don't think he's an ace, you know, maybe try him at a fourth or fifth guy in your rotation. But as this experiment of him being the ace of a major league pitching staff has just failed miserably. And the last season and a half, you know, two seasons, whatever, has definitely kind of been a testament to that. So it's just it's time to look elsewhere for the ace. And luckily, we've got a couple of good ones uh, coming up through the system. And a couple of them are already here, a.k.a. Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal. Yeah, and there's there's no logical explanation other than he's becoming some. It's a name that I haven't mentioned in a long time, but there was a tiger lefty who for five consecutive seasons and it was, he threw over 150 innings each season and he was giving up a lot of home run. He was giving up a lot of home runs. That would be Nate Robertson. So from 2004 to 28 to 2008, where he, he would give up, he gave up 30, 28, 29, 22, 26 different pitchers altogether. I understand, you know, Matt, Matthew Boyd's a much more of a strikeout pitcher than Nate Robertson ever was. But I just, I was, early on, I thought that Matthew Boyd, Chris and I have talked about this before, that we all thought when the, the original trade happened that Daniel Norris was going to be the stud of Matthew Boyd. And, I, and I'm, 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 a, I'm a sucker. I, I'm a sucker for soft tossing le- or lefties. I don't know why. It could be soft tossing. It could be throwing heat like he does. And in the way he's embraced analytics, but it could be just something in between the ears, and that that's all there is to yeah. it. And and it's something that yeah. it, it, the the hiccups. You look at some pitchers in the past. There was the the scenario with the former Pirates pitcher in the seventies. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Um, uh, Steve Blass. Steve Blass, yeah. Where mentally he was, he had his stuff, and then he just stopped. Couldn't figure out the strikes, and he just. He had to see a therapist or anything, and it was just never the same pitcher. So I think the it, he has to put the, the physical tools. It could just be a mental thing, and that's all. I, I don't know. I'm not a you know an expert on that, but that's just my amateur take on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, only, we saw the – Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, the only thing I could think is that, you know, as he does get more into the analytics, is that there is, you know, I play a lot of poker, and when I think about – there's a lot of guys in poker that get way too into the statistics of every scenario. And when you're that into the statistics, if I also know the statistics, then I know more or less exactly what you're going to do because you, there's, Mm -hmm. you know, a 33% chance that you're going to throw this pitch. And so I can sit on it and and get the timing there, which means that, you know, I will strike out the 66% of the time. It's the other pitch you were going to throw, but I, I can knock the leather off the ball when when that happens. And so that's the only thing that I could think is that maybe it, there's something in the way that the, the pitches are getting called in the in the rhythm, that there is something that's, you know, more or less predictable that allows these guys to sit on it and knock it out of the park um, when they when they do have the rhythm figured out correctly. Uh, and he's just not changing that up enough. That's you know, that's really the only because, yeah, you, like it's all it doesn't make any sense why he isn't performing better when all the, all the, all the stuff in the pieces are there. Yeah. I, I don't see the mental thing to me. 
It's interesting. I I can understand that when guys are throw like walking a ton of batters. But I mean, he had a bad game the other day. He walked four guys, but he only had eleven walks through forty innings to that point. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what. <laughs> it's really hard to figure. I I don't know. I uh, and Roger, I think you're right. You, you uh, the first time we ever talked about these guys, I think I thought Norris would be better. You thought uh, Boyd would be better, and you were right there. But I also, I, I think I compared Boyd to Nate Robertson. Yeah, he did. Right. <laughs> That's why I brought it up, Chris, because yeah. it comes from, it came full circle. <laughs> yeah, we both, we, we were both right. Man, maybe uh, Matthew Boyd needs to channel his inner Nate Robertson and do some, his own variation of bubblegum time. And, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, you can't chew bubblegum. You're not supposed to be doing like seeds and all that stuff this year. So he needs to do uh-huh. a COVID approved Nate Robertson celebration and if he does that mark my words he will win the Cy Young this year <laughs> yeah it's uh-huh. oh man <laughs> it, uh-huh. it, like didn't it, yeah that's why I brought the rock because I started laughing when I I was thinking about that some yeah. and it was just it's it's a complete circle thing but uh yeah and at, at any rate look the, the thing is as we we draw the podcast to a close the Tigers just need to get the conclusion we've all come up to in, in our moment, our 80s sitcom moment of the day, uh, what did we all learn today? Well, I learned that the Tigers needs better starting pitching. I also learned that I'm not, if I ever get a chance to meet Alex, I'm never going to play poker against him. Uh, also, <laughs> I've also learned that Nate, or excuse me, Brian Garcia continues to do well despite the low strikeouts. And I also learned that the Michigan and, and Trumbull podcast has a two guys with pretty smooth voices. That was like, I was just going to say, you guys, audio quality wise has been fantastic. But the fact you guys sound like you guys do voiceover work for a living as a radio, <laughs> as a former radio guy myself, it's, uh, it's nice. So Alex, do you want to do you, do you want to tell him or should I? That about our, our bustling audiobook career? Uh, I was going to say that, but Alex and I both come from performance backgrounds. He, Alex is director, actor, I'm an actor, uh, podcast, comedian, all that stuff. So we, uh, we, uh, we, we have a little bit of, I guess, we've got our feet. Well, Alex, much more than me. He does a lot of voiceover stuff. Um, In the last four years, I've done nearly 60 audiobooks. So, Alex, what are some of your big wow. ones you were telling me about? Uh, Viagra, Cialis, you only do, those are your biggest ones, right? Yeah, those are, yeah, those are the top clients. No, I, yeah. I, wish that, I wish that those were my top clients, Luke. They would yeah. pay me so much more money. No, but thank, thank you for saying that, man. We, we really appreciate it. It's been, yeah. it's been a lot of fun. And I mean, Alex, is the, in terms of all the, 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 the quality and the shows on Facebook and everything, that's all Alex. He's kind of the, the tech guy and he just lets me come in and act like an idiot for an hour each episode. So he's, he's the guy who should get all the props there, but yeah, it's been fun. All right. That's, that's my role. <laughs> Good. Let's have a beer. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. Um, so you can find him on Twitter at Mish Trumbull at Mish underscore Trumbull. And there's anything else you guys want to pimp out. You guys have a Facebook page, correct? You said, yeah, come, come find us on Facebook. If you search for Michigan and Trumbull, uh, it should, it should pop up for you. And we're, we're actually trying to raise uh, some money for, the Kirk Gibson Foundation over oh, there. Yeah. So if you want to head over there and uh, make a donation, we've got a pinned post about that. And uh, let's raise some money in the last couple of weeks of the season. That's awesome. Great cause. Sounds good. And again, what we said earlier about people going after Kirk Gibson, you know, 
suck a whatever. Anyway, I just yeah, I'm not gonna go into profane or yeah. Anyway, it's just if if you understand Spanish, basically this. Come mierda, basically come mierda. There you go. So if you know what that means, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening to Tigers SRD on the Tiger My Report Network. By the end of the month, we're gonna be talking to Brandon Day from Bless You Boys. We're trying to coordinate this. So Mark has this idea about doing a mega podcast idea thing. So more details on that. And then again, like I said, if you want to check out all our great content all as well, Chris and I have both written articles for Motor City Bengals recently. So MotorCityBengals.com, TechnologyReport.com. And we look forward to talking to you again soon.